Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. Good morning. If you're glad to be in a father's house, say I am. I am. Y'all sit down, you make me nervous. Hey, it's great to be with you this morning. Uh, Pastor Jeff's a good friend and blessing them, praying for them on their mission trip. Uh, If you did not hear me speak last time I was here, raise your hand, please. All right, I apologize to y'all in advance. Uh, And uh, if it's your first time in service, please come back next week and hear Pastor Jeff because he's a lot better than I am. But uh, we are glad to be with you. Lord's doing incredible things. I bring you greetings this morning from the hood in Atlanta. So from 40, uh, 40 homeless moms and 82 children who woke up on our campus in safe, warm, loving, living environments, I say greetings this morning. Amen. Yep. From 85 adult and juvenile survivors of sex trafficking living in our four locations right now, I bring you greetings this morning. Right. From 750 patients who will visit our medical, mental health, dental, and vision clinic and get the services they need that they can't afford, but we provide through God's grace and mercy, we bring a greeting this morning. From 200 kids from poverty environments in our preschool and, and fourth through 12th grades, we bring a greetings as well. Listen, from the kingdom of God and the God who reigns and rules over the universe and gives us the power and the strength we need. Let's give him honor and glory this morning for the opportunity to be in his house, amen? Amen. So in your notes there, Isaiah 32 verse eight simply says this, a noble man makes noble plans and on noble things he stands. A noble woman makes noble plans and on noble things she stands. A noble family makes noble plans and on noble things they stand. So my question for us this morning, are we living at the full level and depth of nobility that God desires for us to live at? To be a person of nobility, to be a noble individual, means that we are living at the highest level of moral values that we possibly can. It means that we are setting a standard really high in our life. It means that we are choosing not to conform to the things of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind in Christ Jesus. Amen. When we choose to live noble lives, those who are not living noble lives will be attracted to the nobility that is inside of us, and they will wonder what's going on, and just like you got Friend Sunday coming up in a couple weeks, they will be drawn to the cross of Jesus Christ, and more importantly after that, drawn to the empty tomb of Jesus Christ, and then drawn to the upper room where the power of the Holy Spirit comes if you and I choose to live noble lives. Now, the world in which we live is fighting nobility, amen? The world in which we live, everything is now acceptable, and now everything is okay, and that which used to be wrong is no longer wrong, and that which used to be right is no longer right, and society is trying to tear down the fabric of nobility in the sons and daughters of Yahweh. And the Scripture says that in the last days, which I believe we're living in, there will be a great falling away. And if we're not careful, we'll get caught up in the emotion of the great falling away. We will look around and we'll see the fabric of society starting to erode and we'll start to become desperate and we'll start to have these places of struggle in our life. And, and I look at my wife often when she talks to me about the things that are going on in the world and I say, you know God's not surprised by any of this, right? Amen. All of this is prophesied in His Amen. Word that there will be a great falling away. But you know what else the Word says, right? There will always be a remnant who will rise up in the middle of the great falling away. 
right? There will always be a remnant who will grab a hold of the power and the strength of Almighty God and will actually rise to a new level. And so my challenge for us this morning, for me, for you, is that we choose to be noble individuals who are rising up in the middle of chaos. And we're rising up in the middle of struggle. And we're rising up in the middle of disappointment. And we are saying, thus says the word of the Lord. And we're standing upon what his word says, not what the word of the world would say to us, right? So most of you have heard our story. I'm not going to reflect on most of that this morning, but 26 years ago, we went downtown to close this little church in in the inner city, and 26 years later, we're still there with 10 locations around the country, and more than 50,000 individuals have received life-saving and life-giving resources as a result of what God's done. Pretty amazing. And along the way, God continues to evolve, and he continues to unfold in front of us the things that we're supposed to do. We started with just 20 children in an after-school program, feeding them bad food, right? Hot dogs and chips and Coca-Cola, but we're trying to teach them how to read and write and get through school, right? And along the way, as we're dropping them off back in their neighborhoods, Holy Spirit just said, are you just going to drop them back in the homes of those single moms who are struggling just survive and not do something for them? So we started the single moms program, and, and when we're going to pick up the single moms, we're passing all the homeless men and women on Bankhead Highway, they changed it to Hollowell a few years ago and all the crime went away. But anyway, so we're, we're driving out there and we got all the homeless guys and girls hanging out. And God said, well, are you just going to drive by them and not do something about them? So we stop and talk to them. And, and we see Rice Street Jail and Fort County Jail where 125 prisoners are released every day. And God says, well, are you just going to let? And so he just keeps unfolding these things in front of us. Right? And I go, God, you know, there are a lot of other people who call themselves believers as well. If you want to send some of them down, he goes, well, I'm trying, but most of them are hard-headed, so you just keep going for right now till we can send you some more. So we just keep doing the work that we need to do. And we'd been there three or four years, and the church was full of people from broken environments and alcoholic and, and prostitution and being trafficked and being, a, 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 being abused and, and all, addiction, everything. You know, all these folks have been in and out of prison. And so I was there and, and I'm like, they like me and they like when I speak and they like the resources we provide, but I'm still not sure if I'm connected as deeply as I need to be along the way. And so one day there was this altercation between another guy and myself. So, you know, we've had, we had 34 break-ins and I fought with guys in the street and guns and knives and fist fight. Ben Superior Court guys tried to kill me. And it's just more, more fun we'd ever had in church before, but... <laughs> Anyway, there was this altercation one day, and, and, and it just kept going. And so finally the cops were called, and an officer showed up, and she arrested the other guy and put him in the car. And she looked at me and said, well, you're under arrest as well. And I said, well, okay, whatever. And so she fills out the arrest paper, the, the arrest warrant and all that, and she's walking me out, and Rhonda and the girls on the steps going, Daddy, going to jail. And so, uh, so, so as she's about to put me in the car, the staff sergeant pulls up who knows me and he goes, hold on, what's going on? And she told me, he said, well, you can't arrest the preacher. She goes, I'm arresting the preacher. And he said, well, Bruce, you're under arrest. He said, but I'm releasing you on your own recognizance. Be at court nine o'clock in the morning and we'll have a probable cause here. And so we did that. And thankfully the judge threw the case out against me, but word got out in the street that I'd been arrested, right? And so they, they call me the ghetto rev in the hood and most of them... <laughs> Most of them drop rev, they just call me ghetto. So word got out that ghetto had been arrested, right? I walk in the next Sunday, the church is full of people. I walk up on stage, half my congregation stood up. (laughs) 
I'm like, well, if I'd have known all you got to do is get arrested and get street cred, I could have done that a long time ago. So now I try to get arrested every three, four years just to maintain, right? And, and when you live out a life of nobility, people see you in a different light, right? They start to look at you in a way that you're really not. So I had this magazine come in with a Dewis article on me and they had a photographer and a videographer and a reporter follow me around for a week. And so one of the things I like to do is I like to run in my neighborhood, right? There are a lot of people running in my neighborhood because they're running from somebody. I like, to, I like to just run in my neighborhood to stay fit. So I was out running and all kinds of stuff's happening along the way. And I'm talking to guys that are I'm talking to dealers. I say, hey, a trafficker and, you know, homeless guys are yelling at me. And then as they're following me, this drug dealer pulls up on the sidewalk in his big Escalade. It's a known drug dealer. We've had some encounters before. He pulls up and I'm like, we're going to have a fight right here on camera, right? He pulls up, but he pulls out this big wad of $100 bills and he starts peeling them off and he gives me a stack and he goes, hey, since you helped the kids, I want to help you. And I'm like, well, cool. So I put it in my pocket. I finished my run. I told that story in church the next Sunday. And one of my elders said, well, you're not going to use drug money for the ministry, are you? I said, let me tell you something, bro. I put that money in my pocket with my other money. And when I took it out, I couldn't tell what was drug money. Right? Yeah. So, so, so this magazine article comes out. Now, look at me. You look at me, right? You see what I look like. This magazine article comes out. Here's the opening line. This six foot four, 245 pound linebacker of a man walks the cities of the, walks the streets of the inner city without fear. I went home, told my wife, I've been trying to tell you I was a stud. Look at this right here. Right here. When you live a life of nobility, people go look at you differently. When we choose to make noble plans and on noble things stand, life will begin to change right in the middle of our environments. Right? I go downtown, I'd never been, I'd never hung out in the inner city. I'd, I'd never held a heroin's addict for nine minutes until the craving stopped. I'd never kicked in a motel door to save a 12-year-old that was locked up in a dog cage and be in traffic day and night. I'd never been in those environments, but God wasn't concerned as to whether or not I had been there. He was only concerned if I would go there. Amen. Right? And so I want you to understand this morning that it's not just a matter of where you have been. It's a matter of where are you willing to go? Are you willing to go to a new place in your witnessing? Are you willing to go to a new place in your prayer? Are you willing to go to a new place in your devotion? Are you willing to go to a new place in your intimacy with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? You see, sometimes if I'm not careful, I find myself having lived these 63 years of my life and having loved God for most of those years and having served Him and having given myself away to Him. Always, if I'm not careful, I can fall into a place of contentment. And I can fall into a place of satisfaction. And I can fall into a place of routine. And listen, the God I serve is not a God of satisfaction. And the God I serve is not a God of contentment. And the God I serve is not a God of security or safety. He is a God who is inviting us to walk out onto the water, to get out of the boats of our security and safety, and go to new places and experience new things that we've never seen before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so when we choose to make those decisions, God will unfold things before us that are unbelievable. 
So Pastor Jeff asked me to share specifically this morning about a new initiative we launched a few years ago. So for 26 years, we've been leading this ministry for 16 years. God just blessed in incredible fashion. And maybe I shared a little bit of this when I was here before, I don't know, but 10 years ago, we had a dramatic encounter with a young lady that had been trafficked. So we got a phone call from another nonprofit in another state. They said, hey, we've rescued a young lady. She's been locked up on a military base for three years, rape day and night. We've got her coming across country from Washington State. Can you take her? And I said, well, I, I, we don't have a survivor program. He said, we just need you to hide her. We, we got to keep her hidden away. And so we met part of the way between their state and our state. It's like a scene out of a movie. We're trading cars. We're going behind buildings to put her in different vehicles, trying to make sure we're not tracked. We get her back to our campus. She goes into her room, and she won't come out of her room for 40 days. She lays and holds a pillow and looks at the wall and cries day and night. We have to take food into her. And finally, after 40 days, she asked to see me, and I go in. I take a couple staff, and her first words were, Pastor, will you take me to the courthouse and wipe away the fact I ever existed? Change my name, my social security number, my birth certificate. They'll find me, and they'll kill me. And I said, darling, we will, but tell me the story she did. It was horrible. Had to get all the law enforcement involved. It was an unbelievable story. And I just went home that night and I just told Rhonda, my wife, I said, hey, darling, listen, we're not just going to pray about this or give somebody else money. We're going to start our own program. And she said, well, you've never run a program like that. And I said, well, I don't care. I never run city refuge before I started running city refuge, right? I'd never been married till I married you. We never have children till you had five daughters, right? There's a lot of things we've never done, but we did, and look at the good results of that. And by the way, since I was here, I think I've had three or four more grandchildren. We now have five daughters, Cassie, Kelsey, Kenzie, Kaylin, Carly. Ha, that's why I look like this. But anyway, I have five daughters who've now given us 11 grandchildren. Nine of those are boys, right? And so I wear these hearing aids and my wife keeps praying for my hearing, but the fact of the matter is they're Bluetooth and they have a mute option, so I'm perfectly fine, I'm good. But I said, Ron, we're gonna start our own program. So we raised the money and we built a 12 bedroom home to be a safe house for women being trafficked when they escape or when they're rescued or come to us from law enforcement or from the hospital or from the jail. We take them there for 30 to 90 days and do triage, mental health assessment, detox from, from addiction, start working on their physical well being, start reunifying with family if that's appropriate. Sometimes it's not. 43% of those trafficked in the United States were recruited by an immediate family member. So we often don't even want to reunite them with their family. We have to become their family. And so we said, we'll do this. So we started a safe house, 12 bedroom, filled it up overnight. Just immediately filled it up, right? And so then we started looking for long-term programs around the country that will provide the seven levels of care we feel like those women deserve and need. And we can only find 700 beds in the United States that provide those seven levels of care. And the FBI told me personally over 2 million Americans will be trafficked this year, not counting the internationals being brought in. So if over 2 million people are being trafficked, there are only 700 beds. So for those 700 beds, most of those are government funded, so they have to graduate a certain number of people in a certain amount of time in order to keep their funding so they won't take the most difficult to serve. Those with the highest level of mental health or physical issue or outstanding criminal issues. And so I said, well, we'll build another house. So we built another house and then we built another house and then we built another house. And so now we have 85 beds for survivors and over 900 women and children have lived on our campus and received the love of God after having been abused in violent ways. 
And so about 15 months ago, I was sitting at my desk one day, and my desk sits right here, 12-bedroom house on this side of my office, 14-bedroom on this side, 12-bedroom on this side. I'm surrounded by women and children that have survived sex trafficking and now going through the issues of recovery and, be re and being renewed in their spirits and re the light being re uh, brought back on and the fire being rekindled. And I was sitting at my desk, and I started reflecting on all the stories I'd heard over the last 10 years since we started taking care of survivors. And my heart broke. I heard, I, I've heard tears and screams and wails and night tears and horrible stories. And I started thinking about all that. And I realized there was one common denominator in almost every story I'd heard. You know what that common denominator was? Men. The common denominator was men. And I heard Holy Spirit say, why don't you do something about the men? And I said to God, why don't you do something about the men? You're the one that created them, right? Men have never taken responsibility, right? I mean, God comes in the garden after Adam and Eve have eaten of, the, of the, uh, the fruit of the tree, and he starts looking around. What does Adam say? This woman you gave me. There's no personal responsibility on his part. It's either her fault or your fault. Certainly, certainly couldn't be my fault, right? And so I started reflecting on the stories these women had told me, and it was all about men. And so I started doing the research. 99% of those who buy sex illegally are men. 95% of those who traffic women and children are men. And Holy Spirit said, if you do something about the demand side, then there'll be less need for the supply side, which will result in less need for the recovery side. So I said, well, here we go, boys and girls. Right? I thought I was in my latter years, 62 years old when God spoke to me. My board and I had been talking about me retiring in a few years. And all of a sudden, God's saying, start a new program that you take all over this nation and rally men to rise up and be noble men who make noble plans, who stand on noble things. And so we activated a thing called MOST, Men Opposing Sex Trafficking. You can check out wearemost.org, but Men Opposing Sex Trafficking. When I first thought I was going to start it, I thought I was going to start something called MAST, Men Against Sex Trafficking. And Holy Spirit said, no, 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 no. Any man you ask will tell you they're against sex trafficking. That's just an attitude. I need men that are opposed to sex trafficking. That's an action, right? And so we're activating men to rise up and be what we were created to be, to be the warrior and the protectors and the providers and the defenders of those God has placed in our life. And I'm sick and tired of the way the world is living right now. Listen, let me tell you some dramatic facts today, all right? $150 billion annual, annual industry worldwide for trafficking. $50 billion of that spent in the United States. Come on. We're less than 5% of the world's population. We're spending a third of the money on sex trafficking. The United States is the number one consumer in the world of child pornography. And it's the number one purchaser of illegal sex in the world. The United States, right? In Metro Atlanta, where I live, $300 million will be spent this year on illegal purchase of sex. Number one, two, or three in the nation in the last 10 years. 150,000 new ads for illegal purchase of sex posted on the internet every single day. In Metro Atlanta, in the last seven days, 41,700 ads for sex have been posted. We've identified 4,700 of those as child sex ads being posted in our city. 
Our children are being recruited. If your son or your daughter, your grandson or your granddaughter, if they have a phone or a computer, they are being groomed right now. They are being groomed on TikTok and Snapchat, Snapchat and IG. They, they are being. Grooming of our minors is up 104% in the last 12 months. Amen. When that son or daughter, AI, has now been loaded with more than 5,000 keywords. And when that son or daughter posts, I'm lonely, I'm sad, I might run away, I got in a fight with mom, AI starts sending them messages, affirming them and bragging on them and telling them they're beautiful and they're important. And when that child responds the first time and a human picks up the conversation and begins grooming that child to be picked up on a street corner somewhere. It's unbelievable what's happening. The average age of our young men viewing violent porn on their phone, child rape or gang rape or, or sadistic rape, the average age of them viewing that for the first time is now 11 years of age. And when you combine that with the violent video games that they're watching and participating in, we're raising the most violent generation in the history of civilization. And unless we are willing to be noble and make noble plans and on noble things stand, the, the society is going to erode before us and it's going to fall apart. But listen, I believe God still has a remnant that's going to rise up and go to war. I believe God still has a remnant that is willing to go to battle for this. And so I started men opposing sex trafficking. And so now we're activating men all over the country to learn, to activate, and to invest. So if you go to We Are Most Men today, take a look at it. It gives you all the statistics, all the data, all the numbers that you need. When you go to activate, we actually have an online program where we can teach any man in this room how to go, how you go through about 12 to 14 hours of training. You learn all the information about trafficking. And then my IT guys train you how to go anonymous on the internet and you can start doing research for us and it takes you about four hours to generate a lead. About four hours, every man in this room can generate a lead for sex trafficking. And then you hand that off to our interdiction team and we do the surveillance and verify the trafficking and then we go get them and I'll talk about that in a minute. But everybody can be involved. And we're supporting organizations in prevention and interdiction and recovery. And so when you start moving down these paths, when we start becoming noble and rising up to do things that we've not done before, God just opens up crazy doors. So what we found out was that X number being traffic, X number need recovery, but the fact of the matter is we weren't having enough success in rescuing these women and children that are being trafficked. And so we started doing research and we found out that only 20% of law enforcement offices in the country have been trained on the signs of sex trafficking and how to respond to that. Only 5% of law enforcement in the country have designated staff for that. And so we just built our own interdiction team. And listen, this is the most fun I've had in maybe my whole life, right? I got about 30 former special forces and special operators, Deltas, Force SEALs, Green Berets that are now on our team. They're like, let's go, boys and girls, right? We, we got skills. We got talent. We got ability. We just need a passion. We just need a purpose. And I go, well, I got all the passion and purpose you need. Let's rock and roll. So now what we've been able to do is we build target packages through our intelligence people that are now on our team. And we find out where women and children are being trafficked. And then we bring in all of our team from around the country and we set up camp and we just go get boys and girls and women that are being trafficked. We just go get them, right? And, and when we go get them, and when we go get them, sometimes we get pimps as well. And I can't really talk about what we do with them. But anyway, we, we go get them. 
We, we go get buyers. We had the greatest experience just a couple weeks ago. We had a guy show up at a motel that we had set up a sting, or, a sting operation, and, and this guy shows up, and he slides a car in. We left the card at the desk for his name on it. He's in room 214. He slides a car and opens the door, and he thinks he's coming in the room to have sex with a 14-year-old. And when he walks in the room, I got two of my former Green Berets in full kit standing there waiting on him, and he just faints and passes out in the floor. I'm like, Scared the life right out of him. We finally got him up, set him down on the bed, told him what we we're going to do to him, going to lock him up and all that. He starts crying, I got a family, I go to church, I got a job, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, hey, boy, you're here in the room looking for a 14-year-old. There is a price to be paid. And this man opens up his phone and starts negotiating with us. And he gave us seven apps on his phone where you buy child sex. Seven apps. Login information, passwords. We let him walk out the door because we got seven apps. We got to decide where's our bigger award here. Where's the bigger reward? We let him go. We prayed over him. That's been three weeks now. Every two days since then, he sent us a picture at Celebrate Recovery where he's dressing his sexual addiction. He's going to church. He's doing the things he's supposed to do. But my team is now building target packages against those seven organizations that are selling children. And, and, and listen, it will happen. I'll just tell you that right now. We go into in the environments and we partner with local law enforcement. We build a target packages. Listen, they're under-resourced, underfunded. It's not their fault. We're partnering with the FBI now, the Department of Defense, the Homeland Security. So a month ago, we set up in my conference room. It was the coolest thing. I walked to my conference room one morning. There are guns laying everywhere, surveillance equipment, night vision, goggles. I'm like, I'm the only pastor in America has got this going on right here right now. This is what I like. The FBI handed us four target packages for four girls between the ages of 13 and 16 that were being trafficked in our city that they'd been looking for for seven months and been able to identify because we don't necessarily have to operate inside the rules of engagement that everybody else does. We recovered all four girls within 24 hours and put them in a safe environment where they need to be. All right. Amen. Yeah. In the last month, we have rescued 14 minors between the ages of 12 and 16 and eight adults who are no longer being sexually abused in traffic, but are now living in safe, warm, caring environments where the love of God is being poured out on them. That's a noble lifestyle right there. And what I need you to understand this morning that SCC has been a part of every rescue and every woman we've housed and every child that we've rescued because at the end of the year, amen, at the end of the year, the last couple years in your generosity offering, checks have been written and sent to our organization. So listen, not all of you can kick indoors. Not all of you can rescue children. Not all of you can go and be the ones that hold their hand when they detox. But all of you can be a part of this by praying to the Lord God Almighty Almighty for his grace, his mercy, his power, and his provision, and by sowing financially, right? Amen. So the places where I speak, I always have men and women line up after wanting to know what they can do. Go to wearemost.org. There's volunteer opportunities, information there. I was speaking at a church in Ohio a couple weeks ago, and, and when the service was over, this young man, what well, wasn't a young man, he's 50-some years old. He walked up. He's tatted from head to toe. He's got on his leathers. He's got his Harley in the parking lot, and he walks out to me, and he says, hey, 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 let me speak to you. And I'm like, okay, whatever you say, bro. So... 
So we step over in the corner and he said, listen, I was part of, he named a, a national motorcycle gang. He said, I was part of that motorcycle gang for 12 years. He said, I was the national enforcer for 12 years. And I think I have a skill set that you can use. <laughs> and I said, well, give me your phone number, bro. <laughs> listen, I'm 63 years old. My wife says I'm more invigorated right now than she's ever seen me. Because God spoke and said, hey, will you rise up to another level of nobility? Will, will you make some plans that, only, that will not just affect your life, but will affect the lives of thousands of women and children who are being abused and trafficked? Will, will you stand on noble things? Will you tell men that pornography is wrong and the sexualization and objectifying of women is wrong and that they were created in God's image and we need to respect and love and care for that which God created in his image? Will you do it, Bruce? Right? And listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not being overdramatic here. There are already threats on my life because of what we're doing. When we walk down the path of obedience... There's a chance it will cost us more than we ever imagined. There's a chance the tears will be flowing more freely. The pain will be deeper. The sorrow will be harder. There's a chance of all of that. But at the end of the day, the reward is greater than any of the cost that has to be paid. Any of the pain that has to be endured. Because now over 900 women and children have been rescued and loved on and cared for. It's okay whatever comes. See, in the book of Nehemiah, I think I shared with you last time about the first part of Nehemiah, but in chapter 6, verse number 3, as I wrap up with you this morning, chapter 6, verse 3, Nehemiah is on a scaffold, basically, basically rebuilding the city walls. And the scripture says, he said, we worked with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other hand. We're laying block and rebuilding a city and fighting the enemy all at the same time. And Sanballat comes and begins to invite no, uh, Nehemiah to come down from the wall. Please come down. Please come down. We want to talk. We want to negotiate. We want to debate. And Nehemiah says no. And Sam Ballad asks again. And Nehemiah says no. Four times, the scripture says in chapter 6 of Nehemiah, four times Sam Ballad tried to get him to come down. And four times Nehemiah said no. And finally Nehemiah says this. I am doing a great work. And I cannot come down. I am doing a great work. And I cannot come down. Would you stand with me this morning? Listen, my challenge to you this morning is, are you doing a great work? Are you doing a great work as a father? Are you doing a great work as a husband? Are you doing a great work as a wife, as a mother, as a grandfather, grandmother, as a brother, a sister? Are you doing a great work as a member of the kingdom of Almighty God? Are you reflecting His grace and His mercy and His goodness and His kindness on a daily basis? Are you passionate about the things he's passionate about? Are you pouring your heart into those who have empty hearts right now? Are you letting somebody drink from your well on a daily basis? I'm not asking you to do what I do. I'm asking you to do what God's invited you to do. Amen. Be the best version of you. Be the best example of you. Noble men and noble women make noble plans and on noble things they stand. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.